We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. I am Ann Baldwin, one of your hosts. And I'm Lisa DeMattis-Lapore, CEO from The Connection. That's right, and we're back here again. We've got a great show lined up. We've got lots to talk about. A lot of things going on, um, as I used to call it and still call it, the big house, which some people refer to <laughs> as prison, but I refer to that as our state capital. So Correct. So, but one of our guests here today is uh, State Representative Brandon McGee, and I know he's a good friend of The Connection and a good friend of yours, Lisa, so I'll let you have the honor of the introductions. Well, thank you. I want to uh, welcome State Representative Brandon McGee. He is a self-described community activist and architect of social solutions for the people of Connecticut, and he's serving his fourth term representing areas, excuse me, of Windsor and Hartford. And Windsor is one of my towns, so we want to thank you so much, Representative McGee, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I believe this is my second time. I know. Yes. That's right. You're you're right back where you were before. We appreciated it. And uh, you were such a great guest last time that Beth Connor says, let's get him back. So, awesome. Awesome. so here you are. So, you know, you're a man, uh, Mr. McGee, who has really devoted your life to public service. So one of the questions, I guess, you know, you see what's going on up there right now. We've got a new governor in place, um, Governor Lamont. And as the House Chair of the, of the Housing Committee and the Chair of the Black and Puerto Rican Caucus, I mean, let's just start with what are your impressions of, you know, kind of how this guy has come out of the gate? Well, I, I've got to say I am extremely um, optimistic uh, about this session. Um, we have some challenging days ahead of us uh, with respect uh, to uh, everything that we have. And I'm not going to mention anything. I'll kind of let, I don't want to take over the show, uh, but with, with Governor Lamont uh, in office, um, I'm I'm really I'm really excited. I'm a fan of his. Uh, I was with Ned Lamont some years back when he ran um, against former Governor uh, Dan Malloy, and so I've always been a fan. Uh, but now that he's our governor, um, I'm still a fan. However, uh, we still have to uh, take a look. We have to comb through uh, the budget that was just released. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't say, look, this guy, Governor Malloy, I mean, Governor Lamont took the time out to engage multiple stakeholders from, from criminal justice reform to healthcare uh, policy. He convened all types of groups to help inform his agenda. And it was a very inclusive process. And I hadn't seen anything like that before. Uh, and a lot of research and recommendations from those various groups before he was inaugurated or sworn in 
he's implementing those now, and it's helping to drive his administration and policies that he supports. So I am optimistic optimistic. There are some people who, you know, might say I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm really excited that he's in office and, and, and ready to do business with uh, the residents, uh, stakeholders here in the state of Connecticut. Well, that's really, that's really important to hear. I really um, respect the work that you're doing for us in Connecticut. And what I'd really like to highlight is, let's talk about some of the bills that you've introduced and co-introduced. Sure. Um, so I'll, I'll, I mean, there are so many uh, that I've um, co-introduced, but I'd like to highlight just a, a couple of them. Great. Um, as chair, as chair of the the housing committee or co-chair, my my other uh, my co-chair is uh, uh, Senator Dennis Bradley uh, from Bridgeport. Uh, <clears throat> but one of the pieces of legislation came right out of um, a list of recommendations from a study on housing. Uh, for formerly incarcerated. And this proposed legislation is essentially saying, look, we'd like uh, to, um, it's called the Clean Slate. I don't know if you all are familiar with the Clean Slate, but it's a national sort of campaign Mm -hmm. uh, to seal the records of of those reentering our community. In this case, it'll be, you know, for prospective tenants applying for a particular, you know, housing development, housing unit. And the bill would essentially um, seal one's records, um, seven years uh, look back for a felony and three years for a misdemeanor. Um, We all know uh, that the federal government have already outlined certain crimes that are prohibited. Um, However, there are a lot of private landlords uh, that may not fall in that category and I got to be honest with you, I'm a landlord as well, so I, I get where they're coming from. They have major concerns, right? Why can't we look back more than seven years within one's criminal history? What if, you know, they were they went to jail, you know, for writing bad checks or what have you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the advocate in me is like, look, they've done their time. Let's figure out how to make this work. And quite frankly... What's missing when a person reenters our community is a place to lay their heads. We can talk about a job. We can talk about getting a car. But where are these folks laying their heads? Well, you know, Representative uh, McGee, I want to tell you on just a couple of shows back, um, Lisa, I think you were away. But we had a convicted murderer um, here on the show who talked about supportive housing, who talked about the fact that he's been provided that through the connection mm-hmm. as well as job services and other things uh, to oh, get wow. to get his life back on track so you know if you would have asked me this before that guest came on this program I would have said you know of course we should be able to look at their entire history you know you, I told him I said you're the only person that's ever been in this radio studio that's a convicted murderer I think you wow. know but I saw it and I felt his passion and I felt his his heart was so grateful for the services that wow. he'd been offered mm-hmm. that um, yeah. I, I really saw the significance and importance and the difference that it made in this man's life and how many more of them, men and women like that, are there out there? Well, it yeah, yeah it's ve- it is really it is very true that we need to put more efforts into reentry into the community for folks that are coming out of um, prison and really 
paying their dues and doing their time and getting their life back together and becoming productive members of society and with the reentry housing that we have at the connection um, representative McGee we are you know a big supporter of seeing that happen and the reason why is because we see that people are successful and right and they're already dealing with shame and um, already being labeled as a criminal or other issues, right? The stigma is there. But to see folks um, coming out of prison after serving their time, and don't get me wrong, they're continuing to work on whether it's substance abuse or there could be mental health or trauma and all of those issues that many of us deal with. Maybe some folks just haven't been caught and put in prison, but the reality is that getting back people back in society and giving back is really what's important. So my um, hats off to you for all of your reentry efforts in Connecticut. Yeah, if I could just just share a couple more with you, please. Um, another bill uh, that <clears throat> I introduced last session, uh, which was essentially an act restoring electoral privileges to convict, convicted felons on parole. Um, I reintroduced that bill because, once again, this is a constitutional right. And I don't believe that, you know, they should have their rights taken away. I mean, they're individuals who are living in our communities, paying taxes, bringing their children to school, but yet they don't have a right to engage in the, the, the civic and sort of political process. That's kind of crazy. So I have that one. And then there's another bill, which is new this year, um, an act concerning life insurance policies and contracts that ensure the lives of convict, uh, convicted felons. Um, and essentially the intent um, of this bill, and I know it may not have a long shelf life, just because we need to get a better handle on getting various stakeholders to the table, mm-hmm. i.e. our insurance companies, to better understand the bill. I just wanted to get the conversation started. Um, and essentially, it was to, it's to prohibit each life insurance company doing insurance business in the state of Connecticut from uh, refusing to deliver or issue a life insurance policy or contract uh, to a person uh, in the state of Connecticut solely because such policy would ensure the life of an individual who has been convicted of a felon. Uh, so again, I am trying to, my, doing my best, along with other people like you guys at The Connection, exhaust every single opportunity that we have to Mm -hmm. ensure that people re-entering the community are supported and that's that's just where i am there 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 are others um there are probably like nine other uh proposed bills Mm -hmm. um another one an act authorizing and regulating the retail sale of marijuana we all know how you know many people of color had has been disproportionately impacted by the sale of marijuana, and some have been in prison for the better part of their life because of of it. And now here we are talking about legalizing it and making money off of it, Mm. you know? So what about those who have been impacted? Let's talk about expungement. Let's talk about giving them the right to participate in the benefits of selling marijuana or cannabis. And so there's a lot that we're discussing this session with respect uh, to criminal justice reform. And I'm just delighted that during this time, my colleagues have elected me to be chairman of the Black and Puerto Rican Caucus and to really, really drive our uh, agenda. So I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with you more.
because you're such a strong advocate and really and really believe in moving these things forward, which is will really help also the work that we're doing at the connection. So thank you so much. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with State Representative Brandon McGee, and uh, Brandon, as we mentioned, Representative McGee uh, represents the uh, areas of Windsor and Hartford. You're also on the um, Education Committee and Human Services Committee, correct? Yes, ma'am. So what do you what do you think, you know, you talked about the things that you support, and I appreciate that. Um, however, some of these things, how do you decide when you're sitting there and you have the role that you have, what's on your priority list? And do you think some of these things that you talked about, some of the language in these bills, do you think it even has a chance of seeing the light of day? And, and what are, what's your priority? If you could pick yeah. one of, one thing and see it, make it happen, what would that be? That's such a big question. <laughs> Because I would like for all of my bills and my colleagues' proposed bills to, to get through the House and Senate and governor signed and support financially. Um, but we know that's in a perfect world. So if you were to ask Brandon as the rep of the 5th Assembly District, you know, obviously um, the bill that I have before the legislature now mm-hmm. in the process uh, would reflect those of my, you know, from my constituents. Um, as chair of House of the Housing Committee, um, my priority uh, this session, among other uh, list of, of bills, is to get the clean slate bill uh, passed through mm-hmm. both chambers and signed. Um, and that is, you know, the the bill that it, that would offer opportunities to prospective tenants uh, formerly incarcerated. And there there are other important pieces of legislation that I'm going to pull through, like. The, the Fair Housing Commission had a study, and they had some findings there. I mean, we have a list of things. And then in education, I'm going to continue to move forward with minority teacher recruitment uh, and taking a look at curricula uh, that helps uh, many of our school districts, uh, specifically around emotional, um, um, uh, emotional development support uh, for many of our young people that are experiencing uh, traumatic um situations uh, from their homes to communities and then having to, you know, go to school and learn. And unfortunately, they're having a difficult time and their behavior is being misinterpreted as if they are bad children. And so that's not the case. And, and, and we're working on legislation to support school districts, administrators, teachers, families, and the, and the youth. Representative um, McGee, let me ask you a quick question. What is your thought, or what are your thoughts on legalization of marijuana? Marijuana, I think it's an ongoing subject. Uh, I, I, like I said, I want my people to benefit, right? And so I just repeat everything I said. If we're going to pass any legislation related to the use of cannabis or legalization of cannabis for adult use, it has to have sections in there that talk about expungement of records. No, 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 no. I, I heard that part. Correct. What you're sitting there as a legislator, you've got to vote. If it came up tomorrow, would you vote yay or nay for legalization of marijuana? That's hard. That's hard to say. I mean, if it came up tomorrow, I would have had discussions with my district uh, and folks and hearing from them. And for the most part, folks are, are for it. I'm okay with it. I'm okay Where are you getting that information? For the most, for the most part, folks are for it. I'm talking about my district. Oh, well, I live in Windsor. Excuse me. Take my vote. I'm against it. I live in Windsor. I'm against it. 
Right, right. But our district also includes Hartford and Windsor. I know. So, I'm in Windsor. Right. I live in Windsor. I think you're missing what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It's, it's both It's both Hartford and Windsor. So, again, if I had to vote tomorrow, I would have heard from my entire district. I see. As of today, I have not. And we're in the process of planning a community forum on the legalization of cannabis for adult use and to learn a little bit more on it. Um, we have a district uh, that is very diverse, and I want to make sure I'm capturing all those voices. Uh, so your hypothetical is not actually, you know, you, you can't judge me on that. I mean, we have a long ways to go uh, with respect to legalization of cannabis. Right. Do you know when you're going to have a forum yet? Or where I could probably we could just stay posted on your website if or you'll be yeah, letting us it, know. Yeah, I'm going to be sending it out via email uh, and also post it on the uh, website. But we're still working through the details. You know, <clears throat> this, <clears throat> this Lisa, you have such a strong advocacy. I mean, that's what you do is advocate for no equality in education and criminal justice, voter registration, empowerment of people of color in their communities. But it's, you know, when I met with you, I could just feel, you know, the genuineness of who you are and that, you know, you really believe, I mean, truly it comes from your heart. And I, my question to you is, when did you realize that this was going to be your passion? of what you needed to do um, for our citizens in Connecticut and in general, because it's such a strong, you know, real commitment. I mean, for you, it's obviously, it feels like something that you're very devoted to. It's almost, you make it seem like it's not really even a job. Cause I can tell when I sit across from people who have passion about serving the community and doing the right thing, you know, it's so genuine and you're, you are like a, a breath of fresh air. Just tell me a little bit about how, what, what sparked it for you? Were you, were you in school? I mean, what, what sort of led you to where you are now? Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate your compliment. Some days I just want to walk away from it because it's so heavy um, and what I mean by heavy is um, sometimes you, as a leader, and I think you all, in the work that you do, you would agree with me. You want to just kind of wave that wand and help people and get them on the right footing so that they can be successful, et cetera. But having grown up in Hartford's North End and have experienced my father going in and out of the correctional system and just seeing people in my community suffering for, from whatever, mm -hmm. whatever their ailments might be, um, and, and let me just pause here. Everybody from Hartford is not a bad person. Everybody from Windsor is not a bad person. Everybody from an urban area is not a bad person. We have educated people, business owners, et cetera. So I just mm -hmm. have to put that out there. But the reason why I'm so committed to this is I've experienced it through my own, like my family experience. And my godfather, who's a pastor, my mentor, a lot of my mentors, have always taught me that like you have to be able to give back to your community and having gone away to college seeing situations down in Alabama coming back home life experiences really mm -hmm. have helped me to hone in on like what do you really like what's your life story right if you die today what do you want somebody to say about Brandon McGee and I just want to I, I want to see a change and anything that I can do um make that possible i'm going to do it but it's going to be with the help of other people to get us through so that that's a long-winded way of saying life experiences coupled with that could be me so let me 
get off my little high horse and get down in the dirt and help people where they are so that we all can kind of move forward together. And I think that's what we need too, um, Brandon, is is exactly what you said, you know, if you want to call it on-the-job experience, because yeah. nobody can relate to it like the people who have been there, the people who have witnessed yeah. it or have been impacted, whether it's recovery or it's incarceration or it's homelessness right. or, or whatever it is. And we go back to what we talk about on the show a lot, Lisa, and that's the stereotypes. You know, and it's not just drug-addicted, mentally ill people that are finding themselves in these situations. We're all one step, one mistake away from being where these folks are. Here you go. So, yeah, so it's, right. That's right. So it just, uh, and it's a benefit to society. It's a benefit yeah. to all of us. I, I use, as an example, I use Middletown. Because back in my Channel 30 days, when they told me I had to go to downtown Middletown to do a story, I was scared to death. Because it was it was a very unique, interesting place yeah. to be, okay? <laughs> and it was, and I don't mean that in a nice way. And today, it's yeah. like the place to be. And I'm be- always there. Yes. Ion. I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's my favorite restaurant. That's I my know, favorite because restaurant. Services have been stepped up. There's more of a collaborative effort, I believe, between agencies like The Connection um, more and more people are educating themselves and, and learning more about, um, and I, I believe some of this comes from budget cuts. People were forced into collaboration, forced into proving that their services work, proven results, held accountable. And I believe a lot of that's had, had a, unless you disagree at least, I think a lot of that's had a positive impact on outcomes. I do. The, the reason why I get excited with you, Representative um, McGee, is because you speak our language. Can you and please call me Brandon? Brandon. Okay. <laughs> I will call you Brandon. Brandon, um, the reason why I am excited about the work that you're doing is because you're speaking our language at the, at the connection. And I'm sure other nonprofits would echo the same. And it, you know, when you talk up, when you, when I see the passion, when you talk about these issues and you're up there at the LOB legislative office building, fighting for these bills and pushing this through, it's so genuine. And so from the heart, and I, you know, it's hard. I, I would think it would be hard to say no to you, uh, only be only because you have the, you know, the data, you have the research. You're, you know, you're really invested in proven results. And you, and you know, we, we, I told you, we collect a lot of data on reentry and housing, and we know that these are the things that are making people successful and they're not reoffending and they're not going back in the system and providing continuum of care but having someone like you up at our state who believes in this and is pushing these things through is so important to all of us so i just applaud you a million times over and just want to say thank you for you know understanding and getting it you know it's one thing to say, oh, this is a bill, et cetera, but it's another thing to have someone standing behind standing behind something that they strongly believe in, and they've seen it and they understand it, and yeah. it's hard to it's hard to disagree because you're right. I mean, it we have the data and we're ready to hand it over as you yeah. fight these bills to say, you know, Representative Brandon, I'm not saying it, <laughs> <laughs> Rep. Brandon, he knows what's going on, and you, you're right. You know, you're doing a great job. So don't yeah, give up the fight. Let, don't give up the fight. You, let me tell you one thing that um, is, is sort of challenging at times, and I'm okay because it's a part of the process. We all know, you know, the Democrats. We um, <clears throat> we we really want uh, some extra seats. I think about 
18 in the House. I could be wrong, but it was a substantial amount. And then several other seats in the Senate. I'm saying that to say, because we have the numbers, I am not in the business of just pushing policy through. I want it to work. I know that. I want to do it right, Mm -hmm. right? So, and what I mean by that is making sure we engage our colleagues on the other side of the aisle, even our conservative Democrats, you know, making sure people understand the, um, the purpose as to why we are moving this legislation forward. We're talking about people. We're talking about people and how it could impact the economy. I mean, I can go down the list. And generational cycles, right? Because what you're doing is you're impacting the next generation or affecting those children and families that are tied into the folks, you know, that are going back into society. So when you impact one person, right, you're impacting everyone else, the community and everyone that's in their life. So it really is a win-win. Let me ask you another question, um, Representative, because you had mentioned that you like to engage and hear from your constituents. One of the things I've always wondered from the outside looking in is, do you feel that most folks, you know, that are in politics listen to their constituents? That's question. That's part A. Oh, and that's then, a tough question. You ask very tough questions. Well, that's what I'm here for, man. That's what I'm here for. She was a news. She was a newscaster. Yeah. And then the other question is, um, <laughs> well, I'll let you answer that one first, so I don't confuse the okay. issue. So if I heard you correctly, do you know many of the legislators, elected officials, listen to their constituents? I believe they, they do the best that they can. But I think sometimes we get, we get in that legislative office building and that state capitol, I call it the fishbowl, and we forget the very people that elected you in, and you have to hear from them first. So it's okay that you listen to your lobbyists and you're getting the research from them and you're going to Office of Legislative Research and you're getting the information. But I always say to my staff, we have got to engage our communities. So whether it be town halls, Facebook town halls, e-blasts, surveys, you name it. And you have to exhaust all of them. Where I messed up in full transparency is I completely forgot, like, some people over 60 and maybe even 70, they're not on Facebook like that. Right? No, and right. So you, have, right. you have to give those folks a call. You're right. But I, I want to I say that all of us, Democrats, Republicans, everybody, I believe that their first and primary goal, and I believe they live it out, is to hear from the, their constituents first. Well, that's refreshing. Um, and how can people reach you if, they want, if your constituents want to reach you? Absolutely. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. They can call my office. They can call my cell, 860-578-2979. I'm a texter, so if you can text, that'll be awesome because I get a lot of calls. Um, Or you can simply come down to the legislative office building. It's amazing. Uh, Usually on Tuesdays and Thursdays I'm there. FYI, it's a part-time gig, so I have to work a (laughs) full-time job in order to take care of my wife and two kids. Uh, So, yeah. Um, it's really easy to get in touch with me. And we also have um, legislative uh, websites. So you can literally type in Google State Representative Brandon McGee uh, and my uh, website would come up. Uh, and you can e- inbox me there as well. Who gives out their cell phone number? That's what, see, that, this on is a radio? What, see, yeah. but this is what I'm saying. Right. 
I mean, I'm not seriously. Now this I is, feel bad. I kind of be, but, beat him up a little bit. No, but see, this oh, is no, why. You gotta beat me. Come on, now. You <laughs> no, but see, <laughs> but this is why I'm saying Brandon is. He's right. I'm gonna test it. I live I'm, in Windsor. Me, you better answer your text. I'm telling you. Hey, you better check me now. I'll show you. you are. You are. Re- no, sir. No, I'm not even kidding. You are really. I am interested to see mm, where you go at the legislative office building because I only see you moving forward. Um, because we, you know, with all respect to everyone else that's working out there, you are definitely one of a kind, and I, I applaud you. You are such a breath of fresh air, so I can't thank you enough for everything you're doing for well, folks in Connecticut. And, and, and I'd love to end on this note if we're wrapping up. We are. Yeah. With, with, with many of these proposed um, legislations uh, that I, I share with you, um, I, I'd ask that you all encourage people to submit testimony. Yes. Uh, some of these bills have already had public hearings. Um, but, you know, some of these bills have yet to have a public hearing, but when they do, it's nice to send community up to speak before the committee and give us real stories so that folks can, can just get educated. Because sometimes, again, we sit up there and That's what we're, gonna we're, do. In our, we're in our glory and we forget about the real story. Mm-hmm. And so it might be helpful. So I look forward to talking with you guys some more. Uh, and I'll be sure to email that information about our upcoming town hall. Fantastic. We look forward to that. Well, 5th District State Representative Brandon McGee, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you for having me. All right. We appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Keep up the great work. Keep up the good fight. Thank you. Thank you. So there's a guy who gave out his cell phone number. and Amazing. So they're another representative on your side, um, as you mentioned, um, some some great legislation that's in there, and hopefully it benefits organizations not only like the connection, but to all those out there doing good work. Yeah, that's exciting. It so is. we're looking forward to see how it rolls. Absolutely. And if you'd like more information on the connection or their programs, you can go to the website at the Connection Inc. All one word. dot org. And that's a wrap for this particular episode. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all. It's been a good one. Tune in for the next Ann and Lisa show on The Connection. (laughs) Right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.